You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Friday the 13th was not kind to two top 25 teams last night. Number two, Clemson. Number eight, Washington State. Both going down on the road opens up the floodgates for a possible college football playoff controversy. Rich Sermonello, this is what it's all about if you're a college football fan. We're starting to debate which of the top four teams now looking for a possible January day. Uh, you know, at the end of the tunnel here, I think when you look at it now, this really opens up the, the floodgates for teams like Penn State, TCU, Washington, and Georgia. The one that really sticks out for me is Georgia, Joe, because an enigma. The first half of the season, so impressed by what Kirby Smart has done. Defense has been airtight. He's working largely with a true freshman quarterback. I don't care how good Jake Fromm is. The reality is the kid was at his high school prom last year. That's how young he is. And yet Georgia looks like one of the top five teams in the country. And I know fans around the country hate to hear this, but when a Clemson suffers a first loss and when prominent teams like Ohio State, USC have losses already, it raises the possibility, Joe, that you could have two SEC teams playing in the playoff. Because right now, if you ask me, who are the top four or five teams in the country? Alabama, obvious. Georgia has to be in that mix. And if Georgia can run the table, lose the SEC championship game to an Alabama... I think you can make a case that both teams are in. I agree. I wouldn't have a problem with that. And I'll say this about college football. Controversy's been with college football for as long as I can remember. You could go back to the split national championships in 1997, Nebraska and Michigan, 1990 with Georgia Tech and Colorado. It's a part of the game. I don't want to see college football take the road of college basketball. We'll dilute it. Eight, 12 teams in the playoff. Then team 13 and 14 is complaining. And the regular season is insignificant. This is what makes this game so special. We come out of the gate hitting on all cylinders. If you're not up to par and you don't make the playoff, guess what? Look towards next year. Uh, I think right now four is perfect. Uh, I think, I if think you it's look, great. If you look at the history uh, of the college football playoff over the past three years, you know, was there a number six team that had to be in there? I know there was the controversy with the Big 12 a couple of years ago, TCU, Baylor, outside looking in. But Ohio State got in um, a mixed controversy and goes on to win a national championship. So I think the playoff committee has largely done a good job. I agree with you. The beauty of college football is today, and it's next Saturday, and it's the Saturday after that. It's the regular season. This is the best regular season in American sports, bar none. Four is great. I like it better than two. We need more than two. It was better than the BCS. I'll give you that. At the end of the day, when you look at college football, and I understand the controversy wanting to expand it to six to get teams from the Mountain West Conference and the non-power group of five into the playoff, but you look at a team like San Diego State, if the chips fall the way they do, they they beat two Pac-12 opponents in Arizona State and Stanford, they could possibly make some noise come uh, December. So this is what it's all about. Controversy, college football. We're talking about it on Saturday mornings. When we come back, we'll break down TCU and Kansas State. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. on college football today. Huge matchup taking place a little bit later today in Palo Alto, Oregon. Coming off their loss to Washington State on the road to face Stanford. Coming off a very impressive 23-20 victory in Salt Lake City. Stanford's won three of the last five, Rich, by 11.3 points per game. But I like Oregon here. I think they keep this game a lot closer than people think later tonight. Yeah, it's a possibility. I, I think now that Braxton Burmeister, the young Oregon quarterback, has a game under his belt, I think that's going to help. He, he did not impress last week. Uh, the team in general played very poorly against Washington State. I was a little disappointed uh, by how that team performed, how the Ducks performed without their usual quarterback, Justin Herbert. Uh, Stanford, uh, you know, Stanford's been a, a bit of an enigma for me this year because it's been heavy with Bryce Love who I think at this point may be more valuable than any player in the country because he's not getting a lot of help. You know, Saquon, who is phenomenal, Saquon is in a class by himself, but Saquon has Trace McSorley. Saquon has a defense that's been lights out. Bryce Love, the defense by the usual Stanford measurement has been average the passing game has got to step up got to get more from keller christ stanford looks like a one-dimensional team oregon could keep it close but at this point a lot is going to hinge on that young quarterback braxton burmeister well here's the factor about stanford's offense that i don't like now they're coming off a bryce love rushed and pounded the rock for 150 yards on the ground stanford did rush for on that utah defense 196 yards on the ground entering that matchup last week utah was allowing 86 six rushing yards per game so that's the factor that you want to see play out a little bit later today but for Stanford's offense they passed for 369 yards in week one against Rice against games now against San Diego State USC UCLA Arizona State and Utah those five games Stanford's averaging through the air 152 passing yards per game if Oregon jumps up early and forces Stanford out of their game plan I still don't like the quarterback play of the Cardinal, even though they're playing at home, this could be this could be a trap game for Stanford in this ball game. Any air quality issues with that game? I, they, mean, I haven't us, heard it. Yeah, I haven't heard those that. fires out <clears throat> in Northern California. I have no California idea about that. Yeah. Devastating. 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 And we saw Washington State on the road last week. Yeah. So I mean, Oregon has nothing to lose here. I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, this is an offense that's averaging and passing for over 220 yards per game, even with a young quarterback defensively playing much better. They're yeah. allowing. 93 rushing yards on the ground and held Washington State in check. Washington State, not the same type of offense, but if they could force Stanford into third down and long situations, could be a ball game. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to lean towards Stanford in this game. Again, this is not one game that I love, only because I think there's great uncertainty, the wild card of the Oregon quarterback situation. I would expect the offense to be better this week. 13 first downs against Washington State. Washington State you know, has an attacking defense led by their coordinator, Alex Alex Grinch, but at home, 
13 first downs, average less than three yards a carry. They're going to have to change that dynamic on the road. I think Stanford at home with the best player in the game in Bryce Love, you know, defense has been okay, but the youth at quarterback for Oregon going on the road, I just can't champion the Ducks right now. So I'll say Stanford. Uh, but not in love with the Cardinal at this point. Yeah, I think Oregon could get the victory here. Again, I think it could be a high-scoring game just for the simple fact that Oregon starts fast, puts the pressure on Stanford, gets them out of their game plan. And uh, Bryce Love will get his yards, and I could see Stanford rushing for over 100 in this ballgame. But I still like Oregon in this matchup. Look for them to be in this ballgame from start to finish. They're catching around 11 points a little bit later today. It is a 10-15 start on ESPN. Here's one game that I really like. It's TCU on the road against Bill Snyder in Kansas State. Kansas State got this victory last year in Fort Worth, 30-6. to But you're talking about a TCU team led by Kenny Hill, Rich, that leads FBS in third-down conversions, converting 58% of the time, 42 of 72 attempts. That could be the matchup going up against K-State's defense a little bit later today. Listen, Kansas State is always a tricky opponent. I, I, I mentioned that about Utah. I'll say it about Kansas State, great coach in Bill Snyder, one of Joe's best friends. Um, you know, just a scrappy team, plays solid defense, typically can run the ball. But, you know, I'm starting to cool on this Kansas State team. I, I, I think I... You follow? Yeah, I, 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 I'm yeah. War, you're warming up to my side a yeah, little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think this team has been slightly overrated this year. We saw the loss to Vanderbilt, 14-7, to a Vanderbilt team that has not kept the momentum going. Kansas State defense really was horrible last week against Texas. Young quarterback, Sam Ellinger. I, I Texas had 32 first downs. I mean, I went to an extra session, but still, they got gutted defensively. Jesse Ertz is not going to start. Alex Delton, nice running quarterback is going to be under center for the first snaps. And, you know, Kansas State has a one-dimensional offense anyway. You take Ertz out of it, who's a marginal passer. Now you have the young kid, Delton. TCU, Gary Patterson, that defense, which has played pretty well this season, against an offense that you know is going to run the ball. I think Kansas State's going to have problems. I know this is a potential landmine game, right? Tough game last week against West Virginia. Now you go on the road into Manhattan. Kansas State always loves playing that underdog role, but TCU right now, we're seeing it week after week offensively with Kenny Hill. Kyle Hicks is healthy. Darius Anderson's in the backfield. Jalen Rager, they're using well, both as a receiver and a running back, Joe. So this is the most complete team in the Big 12. I think they're up to the challenge as a road favorite. I think they hold serve and win. Yeah, I was wrong on TCU at the start of the year. I thought they were a five-win team. They've erased that, and I'm buying into this program. You look at Kenny Hill this year, a consistent quarterback, completing 69% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, three interceptions. Here's the one thing I look at when I break down this ballgame. You mentioned the ability for Kansas State to run the football. They're averaging 221 rushing yards on the ground, only passing for around a 196 yards through the air. They attacked Texas last week through the air because Texas took away the rushing attack for Jesse Ertz. They they threw the uh, threw the football 254 
passing yards last week, but that is not their M.O. And I said it before at the start of the year, this is a Kansas State team that won nine games in 2016 against eight FBS opponents with a combined overall record of 38-60. and 60. Not by any means a, a dominant team against the better teams on their schedule. That's a 393 winning percentage. I'm still sticking to my uh, analysis on Kansas State. And when you look at their third down defense, they're allowing opposing offenses to convert 40% of the time. Going up against that offense in, yeah. in Very TCU, diverse, very balanced. I think they blow them out. I mean, weather could be an issue. I talked to Gabe. He said that there's... Uh, rain and wind and that could slow down TCU's offense but it's still a speed perspective and TCU is forcing turnovers this year plus four in turnover margin holding opposing offenses to only 104 rushing yards on the ground Delton played very well last week but now this is a game where TCU will game plan for him so keep an eye out for that I think TCU wins this ball game 13 points or more just to bear out some of the statistics that you gave Joe Kansas State 93rd nationally in passing. So I don't think that gets better with a young backup quarterback behind center. And TCU defensively really has done a nice job in turning things around. They were a little bit uncharacteristically soft in 2016, allowing just over three yards a carry. So they're strong against the run. Kansas State, with Alex Delton and Alex Barnes, has to run the ball to be successful. And if they run into a brick wall with those athletic TCU linebackers with Ben Banigou, transfer from Louisiana Monroe. What a great pickup for Gary Patterson, the defensive end, roaming the field with reckless abandon. That TCU defense is really solid, really athletic. Ranthony Texada, I mean, did a fantastic job against Will Greer and the West Virginia receivers last week. So this is a complete team on both sides of the ball. It's a tricky game. I think it any, is very anytime you play Kansas State. You're on the radar. You're a top ten team. You're number eight in the country right now. You go to Kansas State. So this is a potential landmine game. It's why I didn't call it one of my best bets. I'm a little sheepish about it. I still think TCU gets out of there with a victory. I don't think it's a blowout. Road victories in college football are always difficult. I could see. TCU gutting out a 7 to 10 point victory. Any win at Kansas State in light of what's going on in the Big 12 right now for TCU would be impressive. That would solidify my feelings that they're the team to beat. Well, I'm starting to like this game a lot more uh, because of the losses last night to Clemson and Washington State. TCU now can make a, a statement game on the road, and I treat Kansas State like a triple option attack. You have to jump up on them early, force that offense to play catch-up if you can do that. And if you watch this team now in back-to-back games now against Baylor and Texas, they explore that secondary over the middle look for Kenny Hill not only through the air but his mobility on the perimeter that's where I see him having some big plays How about as, as well. a receiver now yeah, too yeah. catches a touchdown pass <laughs> Kenny Hill last week much Kenny thrill Kenny thrill yeah, I mean much maligned last year throws a touchdown pass rushes for one and catches a touchdown pass. So Kenny Hill having a redemptive senior Unbelievable. season. Unbelievable. Rich and I both like TCU. I think they get a convincing double-digit victory a little bit later today. It is a 12 o'clock kick. When we come back, we'll be going by former Ohio State quarterback Greg Fry. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hello. 
Hello, friends. If you want to win at Fantasy Sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at Fantasy Sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the DraftKings and FanDuel Sharks, even the Fantasy Draft Sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Tell them Greg Sussman sent you. battle taking place in the Big Ten Memorial Stadium. Urban Meyer in Ohio State. Mike Riley in Nebraska. What better way to break this game down than with a former standout for the Buckeyes. He's live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. We're going to welcome in the comeback kid, former Ohio State quarterback Greg Fry. Greg, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, our pleasure. Huge battle today for JT Barrett and the crew. I really want to get your thoughts, Greg, about where you see this program after the loss from Ohio State. They've rebounded now, look very solid in wins over Army, UNLV, and last week against Maryland. What do you see from an offensive perspective uh, that you think will carry through later today and more importantly two weeks from now against Penn State? Yeah, Joe, I think I see a team with momentum and, and a lot of confidence. Um, you know, clearly it's, it's kind of been a graduated scale of, of uh, you know, the strength of opponents the last couple of weeks, but I think that really fit into, you know, them growing and evolving over the season, which, which Urban Meyer teams really uh, have a tendency to do. Um, you know, similar, you go back to 2014 when they dropped the early one to Virginia Tech and then and bounced back. Um, this team just, I, I was at the game last week against Maryland, and, uh, and I didn't see them. You know, I thought Maryland was a pretty good football team, and Ohio State completely dismantled them. Um, and, you know, I look at this game today, and I just I, I see an offense for the Buckeyes that is really in rhythm. Um, you know, they're finally getting to that point where they're, they're very balanced, rushing the football and throwing the football. They're leading the Big Ten in, in most offensive categories. Uh, and you have your quarterback in J.T. Barrett, who, you know, with the exception of the Oklahoma game, is playing lights out. Um, and the receiving core, I think, was – Probably the biggest weakness in the Oklahoma game, you know, among other things. But that 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 receiving core has really grown, and it's just an offense. It's in it's in a tremendous rhythm, and, and it just it does not bode well for uh, Mike Riley's defense going into tonight. He's, you know, that defense has given up a lot of passing yards. So uh, I see the Buckeyes coming in, um, you know, fast and furious like they have the last couple of weeks. And if if I look at Nebraska, they better get some early stops if they want to stay in this game. Greg, uh, you mentioned the opponents. Uh, the you know obviously the softer portion of the schedule over the uh, past four weeks. Give us the name of a couple of kids that have impressed you. Obviously, Urban's been able to go deep into his roster the last four games. Uh, which kids have sort of jumped off the film for you over that time? Rich on the offensive side, I think you know J.K. Dobbins obviously stood out right away as a running back. But getting Mike Weber back healthy in the backfield gives you. You know, kind of a one-two punch, and those guys are very different as how they run the football. Um, so that's been a, a big boost. The running game's been very, very solid. You know, when I look at receiver, you get a couple guys that are stepping up. Paris Campbell's becoming, you know, kind of their go-to guy from a standpoint of he's so explosive. You can get him ball if he gets the ball, he can take it the distance every single time, uh, and that includes kick returns. He's been very close to taking one to the house. Um, you know, the receiving wise, you know, Johnny Dixon has stepped up quite a bit. Benjamin Victor had a huge catch last week. Uh, he's got some size at six four, one ninety five. Um, you know, in the whole receiving core, again, it's it's they all know that, you know, 
the, the wealth has got to be spread. And, you know, not one guy's not going to catch 10 balls in that offense, but they're all doing their job. So that just gives JT Barrett a lot of different options. And I was excited to see their tight end, Marcus Ball, catch a touchdown last week because I'm a. I've always grown up and in, in, been in an offense where you got a tight end or an H-back. And with my days coaching, I love that position. And I think Marcus Ball is a weapon that I'd love to see them use more. He had a great touchdown catch last week. He hurdled a defensive back. It was kind of a highlight type of play. So, you know, those guys are all starting to step up, and it's really fun to watch. Greg, when you talk about the defense, I mean, this was a defense that did have three new starters in the secondary. They were exploited week number one by Richard Lego in Indiana. They allowed 410 passing yards per game, followed that up with Baker Mayfield over 300, but they've settled down now. Is it more just playing more as a unit in terms of continuity, or is it something that Greg Schiano has done in terms of mixing up coverages that we see Ohio State play a much better pass defense this year? Clearly, they're well coached. I mean, you got you got a wealth of excellent coaches on the defensive side. So, you know, given time, you know those, those coaches, including Coach Yon, are going to figure things out. And I think it's a combination of extra practice time, you know, more game reps. Um, to me, it's the secondary play has improved dramatically in the last four weeks. Um, you know, when you look at Denzel Ward and Kendall Sheffield and Damon Arnett at corners, all three of those guys are playing. They've done a great job in coverage. Um, and I would also say the linebacker play, you know, really improved. A um, guy named Tuff Boylan stepped in when linebacker Chris Worley went down, and you know, they're listed kind of a, as an either-or from a starting standpoint. And Tuff's done a great job filling in. And, you know, that's just a great linebacker name, so you, you got to play that guy. <laughs> um, you know, and the defensive line is just they're, – <laughs> they're so exceptional. I mean, they're, they're too deep to three deep in most of those positions. I mean, literally, and you've got – potentially five or six draft picks in there. I mean, it's it's obscene how good they are. And Draymond Jones has been one of the guys that's been uh, really stepped up this year. He's missed the last two games because of a he had a freak injury in the locker room uh, where he cut his knee or cut his leg. And I'm hoping he's back today. Uh, but they haven't missed a beat without him because they're so deep. So, you know, it's just, again, it's a defense that's very difficult to run on. Uh, they've gotten so much better against the pass. I mean, they, they literally shut down totally shut down Maryland throwing the ball and rushing the ball last week it was really impressive so again when I look at this matchup tonight it's um with with Nebraska struggles offensively and their injuries it is it's not a good matchup on paper for the Cornhuskers Greg uh, talk a little bit about Kevin Wilson obviously new offensive coordinator this season uh under the microscope uh, offensive coordinator this season is JT and his playmakers are they beginning to sort of gel within uh, Kevin's system? Absolutely, and I would throw Ryan Ryan Day, the quarterback yeah. coach, the new quarterback coach in that mix as well because he's you know he's involved in the passing game. Um, you know, and those two guys. I think what I what I like to tell people is you know having been a coordinator and, and having played a position, it takes a while to put your stamp on it. Um, you know, and also you're coming in, and it's Urban Meyer's program. So you, you know, you're Kevin Wilson, who's a former head coach. You know, you you, you got to listen to your head coach now, and that takes time to for those guys to find that chemistry. And I think you're beginning to see that evolve uh, in this offense. And again, it's just every single week, every single day, and every single game rep. This team offensively has gotten better and better and better. And I think JT, you know, people got on JT Barrett quite a bit early in the season. I think what they what the fans don't understand is he had a couple, three different coordinators, you know, in four years. And as a quarterback, that is difficult. So the fact that he's still putting up great numbers is is pretty impressive. But I think 
I'm seeing JT Barrett much more comfortable in this offense. He's really in a flow. I know he, he, he's understanding what Kevin Wilson wants to do. And, uh, you know, I think for Kevin Wilson, the next month and a half are going to be a lot of fun because he's got the pieces of the puzzle in place, and they're beginning to really not only understand but execute what he's looking for. And, uh, I mean, again, the last couple of weeks, I mean, it, level competition hasn't been the greatest, but they're still doing what they need to do, and they have confidence because, obviously, the next – five or six weeks is where the strength their their schedule lies. Greg, assuming that Ohio State gets through Nebraska later today, they then have a bye week before that rematch with Penn State in the horseshoe. I've been a big believer that sometimes a bye week can be either beneficial or detrimental, especially to an offense in terms of offensive line continuity and more importantly, the quarterback to wide receiver relationship. When you see this offense and you mention the continuity that JT Barrett has heading into this ball game against Nebraska, do you feel like that bye week could hurt this offense two weeks from now against Penn State? Uh, there's always, you know, the analysis. When you, when you lose after bye week, everybody goes, well, see, it hurts you. You know, and I think it's about how you uh, approach it as a program. So I think it's a, it's a positive because, you know, you get, a, you get a chance to get some guys healthy that have been sitting out. Um, and you, you're really regrouping for the remainder of the schedule. I mean, that's where they play Penn State at Iowa, which won't be easy. Michigan State is probably the most improved you know, unheralded team of the Big Ten who's really good. Um, Illinois, not so much, and then at Michigan. So, that you know, that's where their schedule is going to be, and you're going to find out how good they really are. You know, all the question marks people might have, we're going to learn, get answers to those. So I see it as a positive thing, is that, you know, Penn State's a very good football team, and having extra time to prepare for them. And not only that, watching Penn State play Michigan the week before, you know, nationally, we're all going to learn a lot about how good Penn State really is and, and Michigan can can rebound from that loss last week to Michigan State. Greg, great insight and information. We love you when you come on the show because your intensity is second to none. We'll get you on before the season's <laughs> over. Anytime, guys. I appreciate it. Always good. Former Ohio State quarterback, and I call him the comeback kid because he has possibly, in my opinion, two of the best comebacks or three in Ohio State history. Okay, 1989, this team was down 31 to nothing against Minnesota. He led the comeback against uh, Iowa in 1990. He hits Bobby Olive on a touchdown pass with 14 seconds remaining on the clock. 1988 against Tommy Hodson in LSU. The comeback kid leads this. The the Buckeyes to victory. I love Greg Fry, but you heard him say about the the emergence of J.K. Dobbins and those offensive stars. Mike Weber's health as well. I I, I think I really want to learn where Ohio State is at right now because of the level of the competition you know the scores have been gaudy the statistics have been robust but how will that translate not just this week against nebraska but you keep mentioning it two weeks against penn state that is one of the games of the year not just big 10 but nationally i think the biggest beneficiary of a big ohio state win today in lincoln scott frost because his ask to become the Nebraska head coach goes north. So Scott Frost and his agent, 
could benefit if Ohio State rolls a Memorial Stadium. Oh, I, I agree with that 100%. And Mike Riley most likely will become the Oregon State head coach at the end of the year. Gary Anderson moving on, no longer with the program as they play Colorado a little bit later today. So, I mean, it's intriguing developments. This is what makes college football the best game in town. When we come back, we'll be joined by a Game Time Decisions host, Gabe Marenzi. We'll get his best picks for the day. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fastest-growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free, 24-7. Listen to us live at fntsy.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. matchups taking place in a little over an hour. What better way to talk about these games than with Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. He's live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. Cousin Gabe, how are you today? Hey, uh, good morning, uh, guys. We're still celebrating uh, last night's uh, money line uh, ticket with the cow uh, golden bears although in typical uh, typical gambler's form it's never enough we hit a nice plus 500 on the money line last night uh, cash with cow plus the points and uh, there I was uh, up all night and tweeting all night complaining that I didn't money line parlay them with Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're... And, like, and for the record, for the record, guys, guys that did that, a $100 parlay last night paid back uh, $10,700. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Two, two Friday night 13 underdogs win outright and really wide open college football playoff race. There's an intriguing 330 battle. It's the Red River rivalry, Gabe. Let's get your take about that. Rich and I are both on the underdog here, Texas. I think they win the game outright later today. Yeah, I like Texas in this game as well, guys, and I feel that Texas can can win this game. The question is, can they execute? You know, Texas... You know, it's Texas. What's the best way of putting it? It's almost uh, you know Pennywise, um, Pennywise pound crazy. You know, Texas are a lot like Andy Dalton. I think that's actually you know what? It's the first. It's the, no, it's the first time I've come up with this. But Texas, Texas will have a 15 play drive and do everything right on 14 of the plays. And we've seen this. Uh, we've seen this. Can they take that next step? I'm not sure. I'm not sure they can take that next step of them execute and win a game like this outright right now. Uh, but what I am sure of is that Tom Herman's five and zero against the spread as an underdog. And we've seen the magic. We saw we saw them hang, and they could have beaten uh, USC. But we talked about it—the lack of execution in certain spots. I think they continue to mature. I like uh, I like the win last week against the good K State team. We'll get to K State in a couple of minutes. Uh, and then conversely, of Oklahoma, I find it difficult. You know, we saw Oklahoma State was able to bounce back uh, after the loss. I think last night's losses hurts us, guys, from a Texas betters perspective, though. If you're Oklahoma, 
you know, yeah, you're still in it, but let's be real. The Big 12 isn't overly respected. I think, you know, they almost have to do a little bit more than the ACC would or uh, the Pac-12 would, and I just assume the Big the Big 10 and the SEC are in. And I saw Baker Mayfield saying the season's not over. We need to handle our business and win the Big 12. And I believe they can convince themselves of that. But it's tough, you know. You know, you know. You guys know this. Covering college sports exclusively like this, momentum's big in college. When things are going well for kids, they go well. When they don't go well, that's why we see so many runs and blown leads and everything uh, in college sports. But what I've stated, if I'm Coach Riley right now, I'm telling these kids, look. Washington State just lost guys. Clemson just lost guys. We're in this thing. You know, season's not over for us. So that that worries me a little bit. But without being stated, I think we got to track me. I like the over uh, in this football game. I'm going to go over the 64 points. I'm going to take the nine points, and I'm going to sprinkle on the money line as well. Gabe, okay, Andy Dalton's hair, Texas's jerseys, are those <laughs> the exact same color? Yeah, and uh, Donald Trump's tan. <laughs> all, all three are burnt orange, I believe. Um, That's what I said. Last night was a real night for orange. Yeah. yeah I said, if you don't like orange, don't watch TV last night. The Astros won, too, in orange. <laughs> good night for orange. Uh, yeah, very good night for orange, actually. Uh, Texas A&M, Florida. Help us out before we get to your best bets on the early games. Texas A&M, Florida. Joe and I are split here. Uh, you have a take on this game? No, this is a tough one. I, I have a bad taste in my mouth after last week. Tough <laughs> loss for the Florida Gators. Tough loss for the Florida Gators uh, last week. Uh, you know, this is it's a real – you're putting me on the spot here in this one. I like the athleticism of what Texas, uh, Texas A&M brings to the table. And I, I like I like Mod. I like I like where they're going with this. Uh, but someone finds a way to not win these games somehow. And I think it was it was an emotional, real physical football game last week against uh, Alabama. I wonder what they have left uh, in the tank after that. It's a short price. I don't like laying it really. Florida or an iffy team, but to me, if I had to play this game, I'd go with the home team and the Florida Gators. Just do out of the fact that you got a you got a young quarter. Listen, Greg, Kirk is a stud. If I was them, I'd just throw the ball at Kirk on every play and hand it off to him. Like, I think he's the most underused player. I really don't understand why I don't get him involved more. Uh, but with that being stated, I, if I had to, I would take I would take the Gators here. I want to stay in the SEC, uh, Gabe. An intriguing battle in Knoxville. Butch Jones coming off a week of preparation from a bye week. They've beaten South Carolina three of the last five years by a total of eight points or 2.6 points per game. I think this is a must win for the Volunteers. They're going with Garantano, the new quarterback. I think Tennessee dominates this matchup, wins this ballgame by double digits. Yeah, I can't. I think if um, if this kid was so good at quarterback, he already would have been the quarterback, uh, I think, at this point in time. I just can't trust them. You know, I, I look at South Carolina football team that really doesn't get any respect ever. This wasn't on my best bet uh, list either. Uh, but to me, the Gamecocks just don't get any respect on a weekly basis, and they just go out there and they handle their business. Uh, I can't get in front of this. You know, they put up 48 points uh, last week. Yeah, you know, they lost They lost at A&M. Uh, but the thing I like about uh, Carolina is I know I'm going to get an honest effort. 
You know, they're a well-coached football team. They're a little bit talent-led challenge-wise. I think we have a coaching mismatch here. I think Butch is still living on borrowed time. I don't think the bye is really going to cover up anything. It, it's You know, this is a football team that's on, on the verge of implosion. Honestly, I'm amazed that he's lasted this long. But I bring this up. I mean, Tennessee, I don't know who they think is going to go coach them, right? Same thing as Texas A&M and Nebraska. You know, what was the uh, Texas A&M? Like he's going to make a big run at James Franklin. Like, do they, are they aware that that's not a that's not a promotion? <laughs> like Penn State, I care more like more of a legacy than Texas A and M. So it blows my mind when we see somebody's programs and they complain about their coaches. It's like, dude, you know, Nick Saban's leaving Alabama to go to Tennessee, guys. That's right. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not the Johnny Major days anymore. I think Tennessee are in trouble. I, I, I like the Gamecocks. I just I can't trust them. betting on Tennessee right now is like betting on the Jets or the Browns. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I guess they could. I'd say more like the, the Browns. I guess they could win if everything falls into place and they don't screw it up. They don't have any confidence. I learned my lesson after that Georgia game. And we were getting points there. Now now uh, they have to win. I don't trust them to win this football game. Yeah, no, yeah I, I agree with you. I like South Carolina in that game. Uh, give, give us your best bets. We're, uh, we're waiting here with bated breath to see who you love on Saturday. Give give us the early, let's, let's stick to the early games uh, since this is the first segment, Gabe. Yeah, well, listen, last time I passed on a money line with the Cal Golden Bears, and we're going to keep it rolling. Uh, you know, I've got less games this week, but I like the bets better than I have. Um, and we're going to we're going to come out swinging. We're going to Manhattan, guys, and I'm not talking about New York City. Uh, we're going to Manhattan, and this is a perfect spot. You know, last night I, I gave uh, everybody on the Fantasy Sports Network, I, we spoke to Joe on Thursday about this. I said, this is upset alert time. I didn't think the Qs were going to be able to beat Clemson outright, but I took them on the points. I told anyone who would listen last night, Cal's going to beat Washington State outright. Boom. They don't just beat them, they kill them. I think it's going to continue. Uh, that collar starts to tighten, guys, at this time of the year with undefeated teams. And, you know, it's, it's like college basketball. You get ranked number one, boom, you lose on Monday night uh, all the time. It happens all the time. I don't think, come on, anyone really believe the TCU are the sixth best team in college football right now? I don't. Uh, and I'll take advantage of it right now. I think uh, I think K-State beat, beat these guys outright. Listen, I'm not in love with that Vandy game in hindsight when you look at Vandy right now. But no shame in that. No shame in losing to Texas last week. I think, you know, they beat they beat this TCU team 30-6 to last year. So, yeah, it's a revenge spot. I get it. I don't trust Ken Hill in this situation laying points on the road. I think the pressure, especially with the other teams losing, I think the TCU kids are going to feel the pressure even more, thinking, oh, Oh, we're really in this thing. We're really in this thing. I think they're going to feel the pressure. Bill Snyder, 33-17 and 17 against the spread the last 50 times. He's been an underdog. How about this? 17-4 and four against the spread as an underdog, Bill Snyder, when he's coming off of a loss. This is a Bill Snyder moment. Uh, you know, I was hoping the weather would be worse than it is. Uh, but nevertheless, K-State not only covers this game, they're going to win this game outright. They're going to win this game outright. We have an upset alert right there. You guys mentioned the Texas game. I'm all over the Texas Longhorns plus the points. I'm hammering the over in that game. And I like West Virginia and Texas Tech to be a track meet. Give me the over in that one. Gabe, great insight and information. We'll get you back on in next segment at the end of the hour. We're looking forward to it. Great picks. Hey, thanks, guys. Look forward to it. 
He's been on fire, I have to admit. And he did give yeah. me uh, California last night. I didn't see that yeah, coming. I mean, impressive. seven turnovers yeah. by Luke Falk and the crew. I mean, they just came out flat. And yeah. that's the one thing I think, the one concern that I have about all of his picks, One when he mentioned Kansas State, is TCU now. They're looking at that game by Clemson and yeah. uh, Washington State and saying, we can't afford to allow this to happen, right. especially on the road. Right. So out of all the games, I would be a little, your word, skittish on on TCU on the road in Manhattan later today. No, I agree. Going back to Friday night, if I'm an athletic director, Friday nights on the road, I, I, I would do my very best to not schedule that type of a game. The atmosphere in the fall, you have the student section all wild for that game, national exposure. Those are tough, unorthodox sure. games. I mean, it's great exposure for programs, especially maybe somewhat off-the-radar programs, but to go on the road on a Friday night, boy, that, that's a tough setting. And not only that, I mean, these are kids, 18 to 22-year-olds that are not professionals, they're not Tom Brady, so back-to-back road games. I mean, think about Washington State's schedule. Friday night against USC, on the road against Oregon, on the road against Cal, it finally caught up to them. When we come back, rapid-fire picks right here. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. This is Greg Sussman from the Roto Experts in the Morning. And, and listen, we can all use a little help sometimes. That's why I talk to three guys every single day that help me with my fantasy teams. But if you need help with your fantasy teams, and you probably do, you should purchase the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football in-season package, featuring weekly lineup ranks, chats with our experts every single day, and player cards for every player in the NFL, including reports from InsideInjuries.com. You cannot beat it. Don't set your lineups without checking the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge in-season package. Back on College Football Today, Rapid Fire Picks will start at a 12-20 ACC battle. Boston College on the road in Louisville. It's homecoming for Lamar Jackson and the crew. I like Boston College here. They got embarrassed last week, Rich, last year. 52-7, defensively playing much better. Five total sacks against Virginia Tech and Josh Jackson holding the Hokies to only 109 rushing yards on the ground. They get into a low-scoring game. Louisville wins, but a lot closer than people think later today. It's a possibility. I just have a hard time with Boston College because of their offensive issues. You know, they, they just don't impress me offensively, haven't for a number of years. I, I'll lay the points with Louisville just because Lamar Jackson is so electrifying and BC. Good defense. Harold Landry, Zach Allen doing a really nice job on defense. Just not enough offense. The one thing I look at when I like BC in that matchup, they ran the football more consistently. 224 two weeks ago against Central Michigan. 153 yards last week against Virginia Tech. I look for that to carry through at 1220 in Papa John Stadium a little bit later today. Another intriguing battle. Purdue and Jeff Brom on the road in Madison, Camp Randall, Wisconsin off a dominating, like I said last last week, against Nebraska, 21-point victory over the crew. I look for this to continue. They're holding opposing offenses to only 74 
passing yards per game. I mean, that's a dominating effort for... You like uh, Wisconsin? I think they roll I like in Wisconsin this match. I like Wisconsin. I'll, I'll look at current year, but I'll also look at history. 11 straight in this series. The last 10 by at least 11 points. So they've dominated Purdue. Jeff Brom's done a very good job. He doesn't have the defensive talent up front to control the Wisconsin run game led by Jonathan Taylor. So I'll lay those points as well. I'll take an upset here. Florida State fresh off their 24-20 to disappointing loss. Go on the road to Duke. I like Daniel Jones. They're passing and rushing for over 200 yards, holding opposing offenses to 90 rushing yards on the ground. What does Florida State have to play for yeah. at this point in the season? I think Duke gets the upset victory here. Florida State is actually one of my best bets. It does scare me, though, because of motivation. I mean, you nailed it. I mean, Florida State, a lot of these kids are playing for their NFL futures right now. They're not playing for 2017. It's incumbent upon Jimbo Fisher to have these kids motivated. The reason why I like Florida State, Duke is slipping. Duke is struggling on the offensive line. I think Florida State dominates on the defensive line. Here's the other thing real quick. They lost to Miami, but in that game, if you watch the film, James Blackman, Cam Akers, the two true freshmen, began to play better. I think they piggyback off of that, have a good offensive performance. So I like Florida State laying more than a touchdown. We spoke about it with Gabe at South Carolina. Will Muschamp on the road in Neyland Stadium, Knoxville, a week off of preparation. Garantano gets the start later today. I like this Tennessee defense. They're holding opposing offenses to 129 passing yards through the air. Jake Bentley has a one-dimensional offense. When you look at South Carolina, only rushing for 98 yards on the ground, even though they dominated Arkansas last week. I look for Tennessee to get a double-digit victory later today. You know, I have a theory now. I am just not going to pick bad football teams. I just can't do it because it drives me nuts on Saturdays when I'm watching the games. Tennessee is just not a good football team. Here's a big issue for me, Joe. They're not filling the stadium I now. I mean, that that is that is just heresy in Knoxville that they can't uh, fill Neyland Stadium. If that is a quiet crowd and South Carolina gets out to a big start, you're going to hear boos raining down. South Carolina has the better quarterback, three defensive touchdowns. Left. I got to go with the Gamecocks. I just don't like Tennessee right now. Two good quarterbacks in these battles. Navy on the road against Riley Ferguson and Memphis. I like Memphis here. I think they could jump up on Navy's offense force them out of their game plan. A study in contrast, I like the team that can grind out yards on the ground. I think they take the air out of the ball and keep Ferguson and Anthony Miller U off the field. UCLA and Arizona, I like UCLA in that matchup. Great shootout. I'll take Arizona and Khalil Tate. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the other top 25 games. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.